Welcome back to the Black Minutes Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Weaver, and I'm here with my other host. Nate Bird, happy to be on the show as always. Yes. Okay, today is going to be a good episode, guys. I'm really hyped about who I have picked for the Minutes moment because I like have, I think this person is just so cool. I'm excited so who to I hear. Today, huh? I said I'm excited to hear who it is. Okay, um, just in lieu of um, the guests that we're bringing on today and kind of highlighting like black creativity a little bit. This is actually the theme for Black History Month at my job. I came up with it. Anyway, okay, um, right. <laughs> uh, we're highlighting for the minutes moment today. I, I wanted to highlight Ryan Coogler, who is um, a director and oh, screenwriter. Okay. Yes. Um, so I'm just going to give a little background on him. So he was born on May 23rd in 1986. In oh, wait, Oakland, that's my California. sister's birthday. What? Yeah. Not my, my, yeah, my little sister. Yeah, she, so wait, what is birthday. that, Gemini? I don't know. Oh, sorry. I'm big on the Zodiac. I don't, I don't know. Okay. But um, he was born in Oakland, California. His mother was a community organizer and his father um, was a juvenile probation counselor. He eventually ended up going to Catholic school where he uh, had a really successful football career, which led him to being able to play in college. And so he played football at St. Mary's, St. Mary College of, St. Mary's College of California. There he had an English professor who thought that he wrote very well and suggested that he consider screenwriting for a full-time career. He eventually transferred to Sacramento State. And then he also ended up later transferring to University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts, which is a really good school. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, you had a big come up there. Um, <laughs> Ryan he said college, another um, university, and then to USC. Um, and there, while he was there, he had short um, short films, which uh, were Locks, Figs, The Sculptor, and Gap. And three of these four short films won, um, were nominated and or won um, different awards while he was in school. His first major feature film was titled Fruitville. That's what he wrote it about, which later became Fruitville Station, as many of us know which um, was based on the final 24 hours of Oscar Grant's life before he was shot and killed by one of the Oakland's Fruitville BART station police officers on the first day of 2009. Hmm. This movie was produced by actor-director Forrest Whitaker, which I didn't know. Um, Yeah, yeah. and it featured Michael B. Jordan, and it won a lot of awards. Some of the awards that it won, let me get on here, it won a lot of independent films, so it won the Film Independent Spirit Awards in 2014. It was nominated for a bunch of things. It won a BET Award. He also won, he was nominated for something at Cane's, which if you don't know what Cane's is, this is this really big award show for like entertainment, media, advertisement. So it's kind of a big deal that that was his first major, I mean, just not a short film, real film. And it won all these awards. Like if you look on the page, all these nominees and like, it is just won a ton. Of, it was just nominated for so much. This later led him to um, directing Creed in 2015, um, which was which is a sequel slash spinoff of all the Rocky movies. And he also got to work with Michael B. Jordan again. And both Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler have won awards for it. Mm-hmm. And then in early 2016, he was slated to direct. Um, and write part of the script for the Black Panther, the first uh, Marvel film. And what was really cool about it is this 
the Black Panther, the first one, was the highest grossing solo superhero launch of all time. It was also the highest grossing film by a Black director and the highest grossing film starring a primarily Black cast. Mm. So he has just had an amazing career and has done a lot for the Black community. And even in some of the research I was doing, it was talking about how people thought that he would almost like sell out when he started um, directing for Marvel and um, was in front of the Marvel movie. And a lot of his projects have been centered around Black stories and elevating um, Black voices, Black actors. He is he was also the director on the second Black Panther movie, and he is continuing to work with Creed, from what I know. And, um, and that the number three is coming out later this year. It looks like it's going to be so, really good. Yeah. So it's super awesome just to learn. I love learning about things that Black people do outside of, like, activism, right? Like, we don't have to all be politicians. We don't all have to be marching and doing these things those things are great are important and we need those people we need our mlks we need our malcolm x but we also need our ryan kuglers so that people who are creative feel like there's a way for them to bring stories to life and that there's someone like them representing them in whatever field that they want to go into so we appreciate you ryan and you have really helped um elevate stories that have historically been ignored and bring dimension to to other people that bring it bring dimension to black people that haven't been seen before so yeah, I, I think he's awesome. I also heard him speak live at a conference I went to, and he's such a quiet, like, mellow guy. He is just very, like, chill, like, very, like, giving introvert vibes, just like, I, like I don't this. know what I thought he was. I don't think I had, like, a strong picture of who he was, but I feel like when people aren't extroverted who work in entertainment, I'm like, wow. And so um, he's just, it's cool to see someone with such a laid-back personality, um, have such an influence and it was really cool because he had a Chadwick Boseman necklace on mm. with a picture of him on it while he was there and so that was like a really sweet um thing and he also wore it at the Black Panther um two premiere if you saw that interesting yeah well that's good to know I did not know very much about Ryan Coogler but that's a that's a special story I know and, he's uh, had a come up I'm, I'm like yeah. dang you need to we need to have other people have this type of come up because he said right. boom boom college boom fruit of the station blew up and now i'm drinking black panther like what right very very quick you know a lot of people have to work for a very very long time but his talent has you know his talent and his work ethic has allowed him to to get to where he is very quickly and we need yeah. more of that you know he um, i'm sure he's, he's worked hard for everything that he has and so that, that's pretty incredible um and i like how you talked about like his creativity and his ability to bring stories to life and things like that because it goes uh hand in hand with the guest that we have on today uh mm-hmm. and talented uh, a talented author i'll let him uh, introduce himself Dwayne. you want to go ahead and uh let us know who you are what you do yeah my name's Dwayne. Dwayne madre uh author comic book um creator and content creator as well um author of the 15 book series uh the bloodlines of sahel and you know it's a graphic novel series as well which we t- turn into animation and tv episodes and movies down the road love that yeah I, you know i uh i bought the first book of bloodlines of sahel over the summer i bought it on juneteenth actually um yep. a little juneteenth festival and that's when you are planning to drop each book is that right you're gonna drop it every juneteenth every juneteenth yeah i love mm-hmm. that yeah that's great so yeah so I we have something for our community to look forward to every year Right. And that's perfect. You know, that's a great way to celebrate. So I'll definitely be looking out every year. I'll I'll be on the website or in person, wherever I can get a signed book 
uh, until I collect the, the 15 book series. But, um, you know, I started reading it. I'm about halfway through the book. You know, I don't read as much as I used to. I used to be able to get through a book. Uh, I think it's what, about maybe 450 pages or so. I used to be able to That's get what, through yeah. Yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah, I used to be able to get through those maybe in like a week, but now as I'm old and I have you know work stuff <laughs> and there's Netflix and I'm just you know I, re- I maybe read like a page a week. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know what I have read so far, I've really really enjoyed. I love the storyline um, and the characters that that you talk about in there. It, it's it's a fun read for sure. Um, so if you will, you, you kind of want to just talk a little bit about the storyline. Uh, for Bloodlines of Sahel, and then, you know, where you got the idea from, how it started, um, what's your inspiration? Yeah, um, I guess it, it all started, um, I was probably 15, 16 years old. And, I mean, if you've seen my video, you know, on YouTube, I remember watching Marvel and DC and all these cartoon characters growing up. And... I learned at a very young age, I was like, man, these, this is awesome, you know? And then it hit me that none of superheroes look like me, you know? And to be 15, 16, when that happens, you know what I mean? It's, it, it does something to you, but you don't necessarily think about it. And so I was just like, huh. I still watched it because it was fun. I ain't mm-hmm. gonna lie. You know what I mean? X-Men, all that stuff. Watched it all, but not a single one looked like me. And so uh I remember asking my mom, I was like, someone needs to come up with um a different set of heroes that we can watch that are likable and but aren't like forced on people, but aren't like the originals, something different and unique and new. It's like, well, there's people out there always doing stuff like that. And I remember this was like during the winter time and and I spent months looking for that, but never found it. And I'm like, wow. I mean, it's not to the liking I would want to see it as, you know, because we had Black Panther, you know what I mean? In the mm-hmm. comics when he came out, I mean, he's all I bought, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, but like there weren't very many. And so, I think I came to my mom and said, well, I think I'm going to have to do something like that. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it looks like you might have to if it's not out there. So I said, fine, I'll do it. So I think for about like, so I think I started about 16, 17, I started writing stuff down. I was like, well, if I were to do this, I would do this. You know, just, it's where I got the idea of Sahel. And I was like, I wanted, you know, I wanted to create something that was powerful and looked but had the branding to go with it. I just wanted it to be cool. So when kids like myself who are going through that transition, because we all go through it, um, don't have to feel the way I felt. I want them to be able to feel like, oh, okay. I was like, me, all right, cool. Instead of realizing, you know, all these heroes are white and they're not, you know, they don't, they don't represent you. And that was a problem for me. So I took it upon myself and said, I'm going to create a, you know, my own story, but it's going to be a story that encompasses our culture, but also our struggle and what it means to live the Black experience. And that's where I started creating Sahel. Okay. So, yeah, what it's about, in a nutshell, it's about four, four, four girls 
who were displaced, when who grow up to become women, and they have to get home to their homeland of Sahel. Now, obviously, there's more to it than that, but in so doing, they inadvertently trigger the signs of the times and trigger events around them um, that are out of their control. But in so doing, they trigger the 12 bloodlines and they all end up returning to Sahel. In so doing, they set in motion events that are unreversible. And so what's happening is Nodis, which is Satan spelled backwards, um, he wants nothing but hate on the world in this in this world called art, which is art in Afrikaans. And he wants to create nothing but hate. Um, in so doing, he ends up creating an army that he ends up using to want to take over the world initially. And then obviously there's more that happens, but mm-hmm. as these women grow up, you start to see experiences experienced by these black women so i was raised by black women mm-hmm. my mom my sister my grandma so they these women represent them and they were strong black women and who helped raise me and so it's basically you're going to see each of their struggles through their eyes and how they grow and have children how they raise those children and how those children end up touching the other 12 bloodlines to bring them to sahel obviously there's more to it than that but that's just an overview Okay. Very, very interesting. And, and, you know, I noticed um, throughout the book that there's a lot of, you have a lot of different inspiration from, from African culture, um, from African history. Like you, I know you use the term Alkebulon, which was the original name for the African continent before the Romans invaded, I believe. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was general, you know, it was Alkebulon. It was changed to African Africa, because General Africanus of Rome had entered and conquered the continent. And, you know, beginning of colonization, if you will. You know what I mean? So um, most of what you saw, most of everything you see in the book is true. However, it was put in a speculative, it's speculative fantasy to make it digestible so that people won't be put off or feel guarded um, by its history because it's put or set in a fantasy setting mm. to make what they see, read and hear and feel digestible. Okay. Very interesting. I remember, yeah. One of the things you told me when I bought it was you didn't pull any punches. And I remember I started reading the book and I was like, man, he was not kidding. He does not pull punches. <laughs> so keep it. I'm, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, what's the point in pulling punch? I mean, if we, we have to learn and, you know as well as I know, when we sugarcoat stuff, we don't get the true meaning of what it is. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you've you've kind of been doing writing and, and things like that since you were a teenager. Yeah, I've been yeah I've been writing since probably seventeen, just writing things down. Um, when I finally put this to paper, I had six thousand pages front and back of mm-hmm. lined paper. Wow, and it was all for Sahel. And you just kind of organize it. It's all for sale. My goodness. Wow. Yeah, so, everything. So this has been just, in the works for a long time. Yeah, over 18 years. Okay. So what... what I, that's, oh, sorry. I was no, just going to say, I love learning about people's creative processes just because whenever you see the final product of something, you don't realize how much thought has gone into what they make. For example, um, I, at this conference I went to where I heard Ryan Kugler, also the creators who wrote everything everywhere all at once, they were there. 
And they're like, yeah, we've been working on this for 10 years. I'm like, huh? Yeah. One movie for 10 years? Like, mm-hmm. my brain, as a non-creative, like, my brain cannot fathom that, like, you know, perfecting, like, the words you want to use and just, like, having all yeah. this stuff that you just, like, you know, 6,000 pages, like you said, of just writing stuff to just get it out. I'm like, I'm just impressed. And, like, that you can use all that to, like, inspire the final version of whatever you create is so... I just that's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that so Thank much you. time is put into that and then you're like, actually we're gonna make this be better and do it this way. <laughs> yep. That's the same for me too. Whenever I read a series and I see from start to finish and I see something referenced, you know, you get to book ten and you see something referenced from book two, or you see some right. you know, like a specific choice, like a they chose a specific name and that came to later mean this in this book, and it's just like, man. The, the planning right. and the stuff that goes into it, I just, I feel like I, I don't have the, the determination or like the, the long, the long-term creativity to make something like that come to yeah. life. So I have a lot of respect for people who can do that. So 18 years to work on a project like that is, is pretty amazing. What, um, I know that you've, you've done some other things in business. You're a bit of an entrepreneur. You've sold two businesses that have kind of allowed you to get to the point where you can, you can work on on Sahel. Um, so, I, what have you? So, what what were those businesses, and and you know, what have you done to kind of get to the point where you're at now? So, one was consulting. You know what I mean? Um, wasn't too. It was just a small consulting firm in terms of just helping with sales. You know what I mean? And went all right. You know, sold it for like 150 grand. You know, I mean, and then I realized, huh, I might be good at this. I mean, so. Um, when I started, I created a credit repair company and you'll love the reason why I did it too. Mm. <laughs> and so the reason why is, so one day I was, you know, I wanted to get a house and, uh, and I had the same credit score as my buddy. We were like both like 815. The highest you can get is like 830, you know what I mean? Like 820 or so, 850. And, um, I, I, you know, I made more than them per year and, and he went and got his rate. I went and got mine. His mine was higher, even though my score was higher and I made more. And his score was lower and he made less. So you see where I'm going with this. So I'm like, hmm. And I was already working at this credit repair company. I'm like, huh. So I learned how the whole entire operation worked from beginning to end, how to remove things from your credit. It's, I mean, once it, it's a valuable tool to know because once you know it, you, you never lose it. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I, I had a friend named David, and he helped me develop this software. And the software was cool because I had a built-in AI. And the AI was cool because, obviously, you know, when you go and apply for a loan, banks have their own set of rules and red tape. And the AI was set up to learn those rules. So when you applied, there was no way you could be denied because you 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 met the criteria. So if anything else was added, you could tell they were putting extra steps in front of you, mm. which you could then say, hey, this is a form of discrimination. You're putting extra steps in front of me. Mm. So the software is designed to detect all of that. In addition to that, so for example, if you've got 10,000 black folks and they, and they live and they get these types of loans and then you got this loan company over here, uh, I was in white folks and they get their loans. The software, would, what it can then do is it can go on and detect those discrepancies. It'll tell you, wait a minute, why is this person higher than this person paying more and vice versa? It, it, detects, it detects all that. So basically then I can go back to the company and say, so I can legally blackmail you. 
Mm. So um, either you're going to pay, you're going to give me what I want, or I'm just going to expose you. So I was able to get what I want. I like that a lot. That's just how I I was like. And so now I didn't expose them because, you know, I signed the letter. I signed, you know, Mm. but several companies like Zion's Bank wanted to buy it. (laughs) And so uh, I was like, no, I'm good. So um, I ended up selling it, you know, about 500,000 to a guy. And I still got to keep 30% of it. Mm. So he's doing his thing out there and he's, he's kind of shelved it for now because he's got other things he's doing, but I think he shelved it because he saw the potential it could cause and the disruption it could cause. Mm. So after 15 years, I'm going to take it back and buy it and just kind of, you know, me, I like to break stuff and cause problems. (laughs) That's a, that's a pretty amazing, amazing software. I, I would love to, to learn more about that for sure. Yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, you could, you know, you could, t- you know, you put in what your, if you had like certain delinquencies on your credit, you could put all those in one through fifteen, submit it, it'll send out the letters automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thirty to forty-five days. What was next? Because there's, you know, playing with these credit card credit repair companies, it's a game. And once you understand the choreography behind that game, you mm-hmm. know when to when to dispute, when to remove. So you could declare bankruptcy tomorrow and have it taken off three months later. And, mm. I, and, and like it never even happened. Interesting. They're responsible for it. It just doesn't show up on your credit. That's very interesting. That's good to know because, yeah, I mean, the, the, the things that they tell you, like, oh, it stays on there for seven years. That's just what I assume. Yeah. I didn't realize that, myth. you know. Let's just say you don't do nothing with it. Yeah, that's so interesting. So I'm definitely going to have to go Stories. in and start repairing my credit because my credit, my credit is not bad but it's not where I want it to be. So yeah. that's what I'm working on. If you want to repair your credit, easiest thing you could. So they pass the new FCRA has passed laws that you can remove things off your credit. If you say they're inaccurate. So you could say, you know, either they're inaccurate, misleading or unverifiable. And if the credit, if the credit repair company were to say something different, who are they to say otherwise? They don't know what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. They've been sued so many times that once you challenge them, you know, they have 30 days to 30 days to verify that if they don't verify within 30 days and there's millions of Americans, do you think they have time to get to all of those? So what do they do? Just remove them. We don't have time to get to it. That's I mean, I'm sorry. That's how the game works. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's just the gist of it. So whatever you have, especially if you have chapter 11 bankruptcies, I mean, excuse me, medicals, you can get every single medical expense removed from your credit hands down. Man. what's what's crazy is like this what you're talking about like i feel like black people we just don't talk about these kind of things enough because we don't we I don't mean, know we don't know yeah, like we, we don't, don't have know. people in our communities and our families who know this stuff to talk about it with us because white people they know this they, yes, they know do. this <laughs> they, they tell their kid they're like oh you got this nah i'm gonna take care of you their kid makes a mistake they're like nah i got that i'm gonna take care of it i'm gonna fix it and it's just so interesting because like financial literacy is just something that black people haven't had access to. Not that they're not the reason capable. why too. Well, it's not that we're not capable of doing those things. It's just, we haven't had the knowledge like, and that's why generational wealth is so hard to build in the black community. Cause even when people get access to the, 
like income that would allow that to be available to them. If they don't have the financial knowledge to keep it that way, it's not going to do anything. For example, my mom, my mom makes a good amount of money right now. She's a registered nurse and has this really nice job, but she does not have the knowledge. Hit me up. I can get her talking to my yeah. uncle. She does not have the knowledge to like do things. Which is, you know what I'm saying? Like to do things that like people who make her same salary who have way more flexibility than her. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just super interesting. It's something that I'm really passionate about for myself to learn because we're like, we cannot, we as a community, we need to spread this knowledge, spread this wealth. Um, I'll say this then. Y'all got to listen to this. So let's say, say you, so like my kids, right? I got kids. If I want my kids to start off on the foot, so, you know, I got good credit. I can easily make them an authorized user on my credit cards. And guess what? They inherit all my good credit. Mm. Interesting. That explains why parents get their kids' credit cards. I always thought that was stupid, but now I understand. That's that's a good thing. Yeah, they get them a good thing. All you got to do is, and when you have a credit card, always start out, get $100. Make sure it's $100. And the goal is spend $50. That's it. And pay it off. Every six months, it'll go up from 100 to 500, from 500 to 2,000, from 2,000 to 5, from 5 to 10, and cap out at 10. Hmm. That's simple. But you never spend over 50%. Always keep it under 50%. Your score will always continue to go up or stay strong. So in the event you have a late payment, you can absorb it, and then you can just dispute it and remove it. Interesting. Good to know. Hmm. Yeah, see, okay. these are these are important things. Yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm taking mental notes. Right. Give me, I do have a question though. Um, kind of going back to your creed, like what inspired you to like write and um, your, your series, were there any like creators, whether black or white or, you know, or non-black or, you know, anything that inspired you as you were growing up or as you were um, deciding that you wanted to, you know, really do this full time? Was there anyone that you looked to as an example or um, helped you to feel like this is something you can't do? Yeah, Mar- uh, Malcolm X. Mm. So y'all oh, love it. Malcolm yes. Um, For those X. not watching the video episode, he's wearing a Malcolm X t-shirt. So Malcolm X was very, before he toned it down a little bit, was very mm-hmm. radical. Mm-hmm. He was. Um, and I love the radical part of Malcolm X. I love it because I modeled the bad guy in my book series after him. Mm-hmm. Interesting completely 100 percent. it's him it, it, that is him and then i modeled the other character after martin luther king interesting so you've got two guys fighting but you've got one philosophy and another philosophy and the sad part and the great thing about it is neither of them are wrong right so when you see and become enveloped in the story you love it and so another creator who did something similar who i um, look up to he's now passed away was Stan Lee who created Marvel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he actually stole a, he actually he actually did something similar with that Malcolm X and Martin Luther King concept with um, Sir Xavier and Magneto oh, he didn't take it to the wow, extreme okay. I'm doing it but he stole black characters and that's how he made his content that's so interesting i feel like i had heard that before but i that's so interesting because yeah now as soon as you said it i realized yeah professor xavier and magneto 
they just neither Malcolm one of them was X wrong. They just had a different a view. Yeah, that's that's interesting, man. That's cool. But they can't really go very far because you know they're white. Right, 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 right. And that's so, you know, it, it is a very. I knew that. Okay, that's what I knew. I knew that like the the X Men story was parallel to um, like the the civil rights movement in some ways. You know, like where you know the, the, the X Men were. Yeah, they wanted you know rights for mutants and things like that. But I didn't realize uh, how deep that went. That's interesting. Yeah, it goes very deep, but it can only go. It will. I tell you, I wouldn't say very deep. It goes deep to maybe it maybe first second level. It can't really go anything deeper than that because then you start getting into appropriation. Right, that makes sense. Okay, so then for for your storyline, um, you you've kind of modeled your characters after that in a similar way. Um, similar, um, just those two, but there's the storylines are so interwoven. So uh, let me give you a little tidbit. So here's what's happening mm-hmm. now. Um, there's some religion involved. Okay, so we all know LDS doctrine to an extent, correct? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, in LDS doctrine, there was a war in heaven. And a third of those individuals never received bodies, okay? Mm-hmm. So, we take, so those third who never received bodies were, were sent to the outer realms of darkness. Lord, uh, Lord Commander Nottis, who we modeled after uh, Malcolm X, um, is furious that they don't have the opportunity or the rights to get bodies. So what does he do? He creates hate in the world. And when you create hate, what happens? What happens when there's hate in the world? It spreads. It spreads. And what? And when it spreads, it creates death. And when there's death, you have to bury bodies, right? And so he then has the spirit leaves his body. So what does he now have? He has a body he can then take back to his realm for one of his third that were rejected. I never got a chance to receive a body so he can take over the world. Interesting. Okay. And we haven't seen a lot of him yet um, in this first book. So I imagine he probably comes in much later, right? You'll see. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. It's like that, huh? Cool. I guess I'll just wait. <laughs> he said, that's all I'm telling you. You don't get anything more. You're not that's special, no, well, mate. I'll keep, I'll keep reading. I would say all that. You know what I mean? Cool, cool. No, you <laughs> No, 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 for real. It's the reason why is because there's certain things I don't want to rob you of. Right. And I don't want you to feel cheated when you get to a point because there's going to come a point when you're going to, oh, damn. Mm. Okay. Mm. Because I'm sure, and it's one of those books, like once you read, it's hard to put down, but sometimes it's hard to pick back up because of the emotional toll it'll take. Mm. You're going to feel a certain way reading the book and I've told people, when you feel a certain way, you'll understand what it means to be in our shoes every single day. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, so, you know, it kind of gives a, an idea into a different perspective. Uh, another question, one thing I have noticed is that the book seems to move very quickly. Like everything is, at least in this first book, it's very condensed. And I'm just like, I read it and I'm like, man, this is enough to fill up a whole book. But he just put this in a few pages. How is he going to do this 15 more times? So I'm like, man, how much more of this story is there to come? But I, I guess what is your reason for, for condensing so much into um, a small Is it just because there's so much of the story to tell? Or, or is it going to oh, slow yeah. down there's, eventually? What, what's going to happen? There's so much of the story to tell. Mm-hmm. There's just so much. And so 
Will it slow down? Yes, it will. But what you're seeing in the eyes of the first four girls, the women, you know, Wadira, um, Amira, Zyra, and uh, Demisia, Demisia, is you're seeing the world build in front of them. And, and so from the Black perspective, and you'll understand this now since you've read that, we don't necessarily get the luxury of growing up and taking our time to grow up. Mm. So what you're experiencing is what we all experience in some communities or on one level or another, having to grow up faster than we'd like. Wow. That's that, what you're seeing. Right. I That's said, so interesting. That gives me a whole look, other I said silence. Silence. <laughs> Man, because reading the book, I'm like, hold on, hold on, no, go go more into detail about this. I want to know more about what happened here when she's in um, uh, at the very beginning of the book. She's in the the land with the Witton people. I don't remember. Is it Witton? Wittons. Wittons. Yeah, she's with the Wittons. Um, and I'm just like, no, no, you got to go into more detail about what's going on here. But then it just zooms off, and you know, then she's in another place, and she's in another place. Um, so yeah, now that I think, you know, now that you say that, that gives me a whole different perspective to read mm-hmm. it with and understand well, that that's intentional. Yeah. What you'll understand, too, is the side stories, <clears throat> when you read about Nezekiah mm-hmm. and, you know, the rebellions, the side stories, what you're going to see in the side stories is all that stuff that you've read is all going to be in the side stories. So you're going to see all that expanded on in the side stories as we go in deeper to see what exactly is happening. And we've got 25 side stories. Okay. Interesting. That'd be interesting. And uh, how soon before we see graphic novels? Um, well, they're in production right now. I wanted to have the first one done by Juneteenth. It still could be done. Um, each it's a, each novel is so you got the each book is five hundred pages. Mm-hmm. Each graphic novel is going to be around two hundred and fifty pages. That's that's a good size. It'll be a visual representation of what you see in the first book. It's it's in product you know it's it's going really well. Um, our after we get this, the goal was to get the books going. Once the books are going, get the graphic novels going. So once book one comes out, and this might be delayed by six months, get the graphic novels going. Then book two, graphic novels. Book three, and then while that's happening, CGI animation. Okay. And all the CGI animation going, and so and then hopefully from there going into the TV space because we've had I've had several screenwriters reach out already. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've, we've turned them all down. Just like you know, we're just not. Not ready. We're not going to go up the first yet. We're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And so, so with that, it's like, and I want to make sure, you know, when you get the right screenwriter, it's, you know, I, obviously I want they they need to be black to understand the experience. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where we go because, you know, we've got a wee funder. I've, I've had investors reach out and our slogan is, you know, Marvel isn't the only six letter word. So is Sahel. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I like that. And now, you know, the longer you wait, the better opportunities we'll get. Right. Well, that's how we felt, you know, uh, when we were at Juneteenth, we yeah. had a representative from Netflix offer to take us, to California to really? meet with some of their people and Man. we turned them down. We turned them down. I'm just not, I didn't do this to make money. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a passion and, project. 
It's yeah. exactly, and because of that, it's like, you know, I've got money, so I'm not doing this to make money. It's mm-hmm. more or less like I want to create something not only for my kids and my grandkids. You know, I'm, I'm 39 years old. So, you know, as I get older, I, I want to make sure what I want to sit back when I'm 65, 70, seeing this on the screen, just relaxing, seeing my grandkids, everyone watching it and having fun. You know, yeah. fun that, who wouldn't want that? Right. You know, they stand me enjoy sitting back watching everybody watching his stuff. Mm. Yeah. I want that. And so I want that for our community. And I feel they deserve that. And the cool thing about it is you're able to learn our history through everything and the story. You know, I've, I've, got, I've got my master's in chemistry and history. So I've taken the Black experience and I put it all in here. Every book I've ever read, you know, The Color of Law, I've got them here. Critical Race Theory. It's all mm. in here. <laughs> All of it, and I don't hold back. It's visceral. I love that. But, yeah, but the main crux of the story that you'll soon come to understand is there's a, there's another group of people working in the shadows, and they go from planet to planet, whitewashing the planet, whitewashing planets. Interesting. Okay. I'll keep that at that. Mm. Also, as you were talking about, I guess I haven't gotten to this point, but as you were talking about Nadas and wanting the bodies. Then that part about the Ennead, so I, I just recently read the part where the Ennead came in and started collecting the dead bodies from the battlefield um, with, with the colonial forces. That makes sense now because you explained the part about not as much. Like, oh, that's why they're because I was like, why? Where? Who are these people? Why are they collecting bodies? I don't get it. And now, now it makes sense. So I'm excited to continue yeah. reading, and uh, it's going to be good. Rachel, I'm sure you probably want to start reading yourself. Huh? <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm very interested. I'm like. I just am interested to see, like, I always think it's really cool, like, the way people will, you know, use inspiration for different experiences that they have and, like, make them come to life in different ways and just creating a different vessel for the way you're telling the story of Black people. Mm -hmm. Um, Correct. Just even last week, or the week before that, I got to see a Sundance film. I told you about this, Nate, right? Um, It's called Young, Wild, and Free. And in this film, it was telling the story of mental health in the Black community in such a unique way that you didn't even know that was about mental health until the literal end. Like, literally the last scene, I was like, oh, this is about mental health. I'm so dead. Like, and it was just because you you thought it was like a coming of age story. You thought it was about this person trying to figure out their life amongst this struggle that their family is in. And really it, it's just a beautiful film and i'm not going to say too much because if you see it i don't want to spoil it but it's i want to see that it's it it was so good because you that and you're literally like this this is me at the end so i just think it's always cool when when i have that feeling of just like looking at it through a different vessel of like this, this black story that's being told absolutely um last thing to close it out um when I know that you are in the process of, of recording some audiobooks, when are those going to be out? So audiobook one is actually in production. Um, yeah. I have a young lady. Um, I don't want to give her name away because she's also a neurologist, um, but she also reads books. And she is in the process of doing book one. Um, and she has a beautiful voice. Oh, man, she blew me away. So she, pl- I plan on having her do all 15 books. She's agreed to do all 15. Nice. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping by June, by J- actually by the end of March, the audio book one um, should be done by the end of March. And then I'm going to have her work on book two 
immediate, like a month later, and that should be done probably a month after June. So I probably, like the end of July, so I'll have audiobooks for one and two done. So going forward, when three is done, the audiobook will be done shortly thereafter. So, you know, just where people can have their preferences. So mm -hmm. it's about 15, it's about 15 hours to read each book. Okay. Cause I, I tear through an audio book. I don't read, read like I used to, but man, I'll finish an audio book in a day, two days. Yeah. 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 So. And her voice, her voice is one of those that makes it possible. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah. I think looking forward to that too, but I'm going to keep reading yeah. in the meantime, chugging along. Um, earlier, you know, before we started recording, you had mentioned some of the things that you're doing to kind of help the series evolve. You mentioned that you're working with some, some uh, people in Atlanta. Do you want to kind of talk about that for a second? Yeah, I've got some um, writers. They're writers. They're also professors, three black women in Atlanta who we're going to be working with. And they're going to help. They specialize in the black female voice. You know, they're English professors and they teach, you know, at, on a collegiate level, PhDs. So they're going to help refine. And that's what's going on with book two and the rest of them going forward, you know, refine the um, voices of the girls, their development, the story as well. So to make sure it's relatable to not just, well, relatable to, you know, the black women in our communities and the black men, but mainly the black women, because, you know, I, mean, I want, I know how important it was to have my mom. And I think people don't understand is black women are the black bone of the black culture. <laughs> they, yeah. they are. They, they, <laughs> let's just call it for what it is. Um, you know, and so they're going to help with that. And so in addition to that, because they have access to that market as well, it's going to, we feel very confident it's going to penetrate that market very well and uh, spread like wildfire. Love that. Exciting. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, right. I wish I would have come down and brought books, but sorry. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> We'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. And as the next books come out, we'll keep talking about it. I look forward to it. Thank you. Sure. Rachel, do you have anything else? Oh, no. I was just going to say, are we moving to recommendations? Yeah, we absolutely are. So, so, so let's do recommendations. Anything that you would want to recommend? Dwayne, if you want it to be your books, that's cool. If you have another recommendation to pass along, uh, we'd love to no, hear it. I, I would recommend, um, obviously, my, my books, but I, I've got a friend who has a black manga. It's called Gisai, G-I-S-E-I, -E and they're about 70% funded, and she's doing very well. They're, they're going to be funded. They've got about three weeks left. So if you're into manga from a Black historical perspective, I would recommend you look into that, G-I-S-E-I. -E All right. That's a perfect recommendation. All right. Nate, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, let's see. My recommendation for... This week, if you have not already watched the movie You People on Netflix, I highly recommend it. It was very entertaining. It's about a uh, white Jewish guy who gets engaged to a black Muslim woman. And um, then they end up having to meet each other's families. And it's an interesting dynamic because they're both trying to navigate uh, these two different kinds of families and like the clashing of cultures there. But they do it in a really comedic way. It's very entertaining. 
and it's uh, it's Jonah Hill and Lauren London, who you would never ever you know exactly <laughs> you'd never expect to see together on screen. And then the the Muslim father is Eddie Murphy, and uh, his his wife is Nia Long. Um, and so it's, it's just a it's a it's a fun cast, um, and the the dialogue is really entertaining. And it just tells a great story in a really unique way and kind of addresses some of the issues that we have going on in, in society today. So I, I highly recommend it's called Ooh, You like People on Netflix. Check it out. Okay. My recommendation is this, the week that this episode is dropped will be the week of Valentine's Day. So it will be the week um, of love. And <laughs> stop laughing, Nate. And so the, um, the recommendation... <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> the recommendation is to find a way to show your family members like some type of love my mom already sent me a valentine's day box i'm like wow that was so nice of you and i think sometimes we get caught up in valentine's day being about like a significant other and whatever which is really it can be important for certain years and certain relationships but also your family members your friends like showing them love and finding ways to give back to them um is also really important it makes me I don't know. It is nice to feel loved by your partner, but it's also really nice to feel loved by the people in your life who you see every day and, and they don't have a designated day. So maybe think about doing something for them. The, the day would have passed, but think about a way you can show them love. Um, even if that's buying them candy, buying them flowers, it, it'll make a difference for them. So that's my recommendation. Perfect. Love it. That's all we got for this week. Dwayne, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. We really appreciated learning a little bit more about you and your work. Thanks for having me. I'll be, and next time I'm down there, I'll bring you shirts. Oh, perfect. Hey. Always so down sure for a good shirt. Just text me your sizes and I'll make sure I get them to you. Hey, hey thank good. you. You're welcome. All right. That's all okay. we got. Catch y'all next week. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Black Menace podcast today. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at the Black Menaces. And make sure to subscribe to our Patreon, the Menace Society, where you can get bonus content from us on the podcast, as well as extra clips from our videos that we film. And don't forget to email us at blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com for menace moments or any other questions that you want us to answer because this show is for you guys thank you and remember always be a menace thank you <laughs>